Hey, Valley fans, you're listening to the March to the Arch podcast. Is your team going to win? Make some noise! This is the March to the Arch podcast, your place for Missouri Valley Conference news, talk, and takes. Welcome to episode five of the March the Arch podcast in this 2022-2020 conference season. Time to start previewing teams here in the Missouri Valley Conference. We've got 12 teams to uh, preview in this uh, March the Arch podcast here. So we're going to go three at a time, starting off with the University of Evansville Purple Aces, the Drake Bulldogs. And the Valparaiso Beacons. On this episode, we have a special guest, Paul Oren, joining us from thevictorybell.com later on in this podcast. But before we get to these team overviews, and Paul, how are we doing today, Baker? Vance, we're doing good. Um, it, you know what's crazy is this actually feels like the first time we're actually recording a real podcast, other than like interviews we've done. Because it's been so long. Because like a lot of our like the last three or four episodes have all been kind of compilations of interviews, and not a lot of like us actually diving into teams and stuff. So this feels good. It feels natural again. You know, I'm with you. Is the excitement level different right now, Baker? Just between me and you? Uh, I don't know. I, are you not? How excited are you right now? I'm super excited. That's what I'm saying. Okay. It feels real. Oh like, no, no, we're no. Actually I'm, talking. I'm, I'm di- it's not just. Hey, can you do this interview because I'm out of town? Or hey, I've got something going on because it's you know the summer or things going on. It feels like hey, I'm dialed into college basketball and I am ready to get going in Missouri Valley hoops. Okay, I'm 100 percent with you. I think like so when we're recording this, we just went to media day the other day for the Valley, and that was such a cool experience. I think that was the thing that kind of like put the jump start in me, and it was like that moment. I don't. I'm sure that's probably the same with you, right? I mean, seeing some of these just Valley people that we know and, you know, for lack of a better term, look up to and follow along with, just seeing them in person, talking to them, it felt real. And something I would say I haven't felt in late September in a really long time. Dude, and I think it's because even adding the three new teams, there's like a level of intrigue going into it. And I know we're not covering any of those today on this show, but um, just like in our research as we've been kind of preparing, like as I start going through like Belmont and then start going through like Murray and UIC, it's kind of like, oh, this is something new. This is different. So um, it's been a lot of fun. But man, you've had a, we've, we haven't really talked a lot like you and I on a podcast in a while since the summer. I mean, you've had a crazy summer. Um, you You made a trip overseas to Europe. Absolutely. Built a house, um, ultimately took our... Yeah, uh, built a house too. Like, yeah, I'm, built- I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> bury the lead here, but <laughs> but you did. You also, you built a house and you went to Europe. Yeah, um, definitely a fun summer um, for the old uh, Sawyer household. Uh, we definitely just got back, you know, a couple of weeks ago from a uh, trip overseas uh, to Europe and, and kind of uh, North Central Europe. It was basically, we had this as a lot of listeners probably had happened to them, had COVID vacations canceled, right? Like you had them booked, you had everything booked, deposits down, and COVID wiped everything out. This was kind of the culmination of, of that for us. Uh, we ultimately went to Paris. We went to Bruges, Belgium. We went to um, Amsterdam. We went to Copenhagen, Denmark. 
that was we had this all planned we had a pre-covid and ultimately kind of it's kind of funny we didn't have any intention of taking this trip this year but uh, basically the hotels um, most of them refunded our money when covid hit but we had a couple holdouts that basically said hey you can you can keep your reservation just keep pushing it out a year and you know basically we're not going to refund you but your your reservation's always good with us or your money's just going to stay here you can use it whenever so you know we were pushing out a year in advance a year in advance and my wife goes to say hey you know our reservation's coming up we're going to push it out again they said actually no um we you have to travel this year or you're going to lose your deposit so that they oh, kind wow. of made the decision decision for us which you know in, in the grand scheme I'll of say. things it's um, it's a sunk cost, but hey, might as well uh, throw some money on top of that. But um, ultimately, we were super excited to to go do it, and um, we, at least for me, um, I got to see the Eiffel Tower for the first time. That's kind of a a, a bucket list item for me on my um, just my yeah my in my bucket list. So you know, it's it's always fun to check off some of those things. Well, so it, now now the listeners out there now know why some of those interviews were done by just me. Yes, uh, and now we can. Now you could kind of put the pieces together with that. Um, it was but- hold on, let me let me cut you off there real quick. Um, it was so funny because Baker got in a hey, I am so like you got on a surge in late summer and was like, I'm so hyped. I've got all these interviews lined up, and I go, Baker, it's like early September. Oh, and by the way, I'm gone for two weeks, so you had some awesome interviews lined up and had them booked and scheduled. And I was like. Um, I don't think I told you, but I am legit out of the country. It's not like I'm in Florida where I can call in. I like, I can't be there. So uh, kudos to you. I, I think I've mentioned it on prior pod, podcasts, but uh, obviously it, it was just kind of a funny um, series of events there. Well, so before we get back to your European trip and you talk about that, I'm generally like, I, I think that, I think you, anyone who's listened to us for a while realized that you're definitely better in like the host capacity and kind of teeing up interviews. So me going into all these interviews was kind of like, Oh boy, like a deer in the headlights, but we got through them and I think it worked out good. But what I wanted to bring up was like you, we were, we were still, I was still texting you some like Valley stuff and you were like in Belgium randomly. And it was like, it was always, that was always kind of a cool thing. One thing I want to ask you about though, you sent me a picture. And I don't know if nobody, people might not even care about this, but I do. So I'm going to ask, was there, were you eating like chips or fries and mayonnaise or something like that? It looked like the most disgusting thing ever. And you were, you seemed jazzed about it. And I was like, what the hell were you eating? The amount of French fries um, that we ate was high. Uh, I felt like it was the side everywhere. Um, the, The Belgium cuisine is built around that. It felt like. Um, let's just say I felt crap most of the time because I was just pounding fr- French fries and mayonnaise. It's delicious. It's not like I would say. <laughs> why, was, why mayonnaise though? Like, why not like ketchup? Or is that like a European thing? It's a European thing, a hundred percent. Like, so like. So that was um, my question though. Was like that is that like a like a Belgium thing or is that like just an all over Europe thing? It's a Europe thing. So um, case in point, I'm in the airport at Amsterdam. Uh, whenever I ordered French fries from where did I, was it? Bur- yeah, Burger King. Um, it comes with mayonnaise. It doesn't come with ketchup. So gross. It's delicious. Baker. <laughs> oh my God. Sounds like the most disgusting thing ever, but anyway, uh, yeah. Shout out listener, Nick, who was like, who pointed it out in the picture and was like, low key. That's a, that's right. Photo. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> yeah, I was like, when you, and, and like anybody that knows me personally knows how much I hate mayonnaise. So 
Like, oh, I just thinking about that. I was just like, oh my god. I don't off, I'm go learning this right now, so I guess I don't know you personally, Baker. Yeah, you don't know me that well, but like mayonnaise <laughs> is my number, like number one, like most disliked food. So, well, fun yeah, fact, I would say you. it's not like Miracle Whip. So, like, I would say you probably your connotation is with like Miracle Whip. It doesn't taste like that at all. It's like it's good mayonnaise. It's the real stuff, man. Teach their own. <laughs> But yeah, anyway. great time, Baker. Hey, thanks for letting me kind of recap that a little bit. And yeah, like you said, it, it makes a little sense of why I've been MIA quite a bit here. No, no doubt. Let's uh, let's get to some of these previews. Evansville Purple Aces up first. All right, Valley fans, let's dive into our first team in this 22-23 Missouri Valley Conference season. And that is going to be the University of Evansville Purple Aces they have a new head coach, head coach David Ragland, um, in his first coaching, uh, head coaching at Evansville. Um, he has seen the Nets cut down at Arch Madness with his time in uh, at Indiana State in 2011 when they cut down the Nets. Last year, uh, the per- Evansville Purple Aces had a 6-23 and record and a 2-16 and Valley record. Um, they have finished at the uh, bottom of the valley um, here for, um, you know, in the last five years, three times in the bottom of the valley. But um, they've had quite a few key departures, changes in the roster, which Baker, take us through that. Yeah, they lost quite a few guys. I think the two at the top are uh, Noah Frederick and uh, Evan Coleman, Coolman, uh, both guys that you and I, Vance, have been talking about for years. I feel like they were in the valley forever, and I – um, I don't know if I'm going to get this right. If I get it wrong, I'm sorry to the both guys, but I think they went to fifth, third bank, both of them. I think they said that on like one of the last broadcasts as they were both taking jobs in banking. <laughs> Do you remember that? I know. I don't miss. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure they're one. both like working at like fifth, third bank. And like, that was like their plan. They were both going together to, to take a job there, which I thought was pretty awesome. Um, but no, they lost quite a few guys. Uh, uh, Coolman and Frederick King obviously mainstays for Evansville the past few years. Shamar Givens, one of their top players, is over going over to UTEP. Uh, Jawan Newton, who we will get to later, going to Southern Illinois. Uh, Emmett Page, Blake Sisley, who was all freshman last year, and uh, Troy Boyton uh, also leaving as well. So uh, quite a few guys uh, leaving from the team. Uh, but the roster uh, constructed, I, I think David Raglan did about as good a job as you could uh, putting together a team for this year. Um to me, Vance, I think that we start with a guy like Blaze Beauchamp. Um, he's a guy who, um, when we even talked to him at Media Day, he said he kind of alluded to the fact that this was his team. Um, I think for Evansville to be successful this year, he's going to have a lot of big nights. He's, I think that that's going to have to be a must. He's going to kind of have to take the reins as like a Shamar Givens and be the guy who's you know filling up the score sheet. Uh, they do have a quite. They have some decent guys coming in. Kenny Strawbridge is a guy that a lot of people are talking about coming out of uh, Alabama State. Uh, he was over ten points a game there, so I think a lot of people think that he can uh, lend his scoring as well. Um, a guy I, I did want to mention, and uh, I'm, you'll hear it on later episodes, but Antoine Smith said he's, we're going to shock the world um, when we talk to him. So he's another guy though that I think can play a lot of minutes. I think um, one guy I'm curious about. Um, is uh, Preston Phillips, a guy who had a pretty good year. He was kind of inconsistent at times, but um, for a freshman in the Valley, there weren't a lot of freshmen that had any notable uh, years, and he had a decent year last year. So um, he's kind of one of those names coming back that I um, I kind of like his game, and he had, he had flashes last year that I really liked. Um, so I'm really hoping to kind of see uh, uh, kind of increased production for him. Um, and then uh, another couple guys, Marvin Coleman from UNLV, uh, 
uh, Siku Kelly, as I think I pronounced his name right. Uh, he's coming from Akron to another couple of uh, transfers. So um, pretty transfer-heavy group, um, which we're going to get to in all Valley teams here. But uh, for the most part, this this roster, as, as good as you can do, Vance, honestly, with uh, the constraints that a Valley team has. I'm with you, just kind of high level, just in our conversation with Coach Ragland, not only on this podcast and in previous episodes, uh, but then also at Media Day is, you know, he, I think you mentioned it to him. He's like, and you said, this is a new era of um, Evansville basketball, and he, and he couldn't agree more. And so it'll be interesting to see how he brings his style into it. I think it'll probably be more fun than what we're used to under a Todd Licklider team. And uh, basically, you know, quoting uh, the interview you did with him, uh, you know, this team's going to will compete um, and they will be fun to watch. Something that Evansville, um, you know, fans are looking will will want to come out and see. So I think that might speak volumes of the style of play they might play um, this year. Uh, I think you the- bring up a good point. Sorry to cut you off, but I think you bring up an awesome point about the whole era thing, because, you know, with whatever with everything that happened with Walter McCarty and we don't need to hash that out anymore. I mean, that's obviously people know the story there. And then moving on to Lick Lighter kind of on uh kind of un, it was weird circumstances when he came halfway through the season he had a few years here at Evansville and now David Ragland takes over and to me I think you're right I think you hit the nail on the head this is a new era and it feels like a breath of fresh air like you know just talking to coach Ragland um he there's an excitement level with him he has an energy with him he had the great purple belt at media day I mean, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's ready to rock and roll and so I think you're right I think you bring up an awesome point that the turning a page to a new Evansville whether it's successful or not that'll be remains to be seen but I at least if I'm an Evansville fan I'm excited going into this season to see what we can do and what we can build it's going to be totally different basketball I, I that's my thing is so if you're the casual Evansville Purple Aces fan or just basketball fan in you know Evansville Indiana which there's a lot of people there you know I just think it's going to be more how do I say this fan friendly um, uh, there, it's going to be run and gun a uh, lot of offense uh, or I, what we think is going to be a lot of offense, just with the tempo they're going to play. My biggest question mark is if they think they're going to run a high-tempo uh, offense, where are their points going to come from? Um, you kind of look at you know what the roster that's coming back. There's not a ton of double-digit points per game from last year. I mean, uh, Kenny Strawbridge, but, I mean, that was at Alabama State. He averaged almost 11 points a game. Um, you know, Blaze Bochamp, I think that's the biggest um, – that might be their go-to person and we'll see what his junior year looks like. You know, he averaged eight, eight points last year. So you look at what could be the potential starting five. And I just, I don't know where their offense is going to come from. Yeah. I think that's the, I think that's the point with this is they've got to be a team that, um, you know, that's going to have to exceed expectations across the board. And that's, that's, that's a hard thing to go into a season where you're knowing you got to exceed expectation because how tough the Valley is. But I think you hit it on the head. Those are the key guys we kind of mentioned are, are going to have to be the key guys all year. And so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but um, you know, knowing Evansville and, and just kind of the vibe I'm getting, they're not going to be a team that's going to be an easy out. Like there's going to, they're going to, they're going to play you hard. They're probably going to lose some games by double digits here and there, but they're also, they're still Evansville and, you know, going to the Ford center is, I don't care how good you are. It's not an easy game. I think last year they played Drake at home and it was a two point game. And I mean, like, just think of how good some of these, or I think it was a one point game. Right. So there were, there were Mm -hmm. tough games here and there. So I think that this, that's probably more the same and it'll be a different style. Like you said. Yep. And I mean, I think with our interactions with coach Ragland, we've had a couple interactions with him, you know, I'm rooting for him because I have, I've nothing but enjoyed 
my times with him. I'm excited to tune in Evansville opening night and just see the style of play, the excitement around it, because you could just feel it in his voice, just in his emotions, mm-hmm. and even the players' body language at media day. Of They're excited for just, not using your word, the new era of Evansville Purple Aces uh, basketball. So let's let's look at their uh, schedule a little bit. Um, <laughs> it is, um, it's it's not the worst. It's not the worst. Um, it's not the best. Uh, they in their non conference they have Miami of Ohio. Uh, they go to St. Louis. We're going to come back to St. Louis here in a second. Baker. Uh, they have Semo at home. They go to Southern Methodist. They go to UCF. They're in the Hostilo Hoops uh, MTE with no one of note. And then um, they've got Campbell at Ball State and Bellarmine. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. I mean, I would have honestly, I thought. This isn't the worst. A, this is not the worst. No. I thought they might have had some bigger buy games, to be honest. Just yeah, when you're the dweller, the seller dweller of a uh, mid-major conference, uh, let's just say some Power 5 teams will happily pay you to come to their place. Um, yeah, they're going to SMU, um, and then they're going to UCF. So, so there you go. But you know, the other, I mean, in the McCarty days, they went to Kentucky, and you know, shocked the world, obviously. But um, you know, I went just to North kinda, Carolina back then too. Yeah. Um, so that one uh, was kind of interesting to me. Um, let's talk about Slu real quick, and we'll talk. We'll we'll hit on this each time uh, we talk about the teams that are playing Slu. Slu is playing four Missouri Valley teams in the non-conference. Are they um, real? They, I, I guess I never put that together. Yeah, so they have uh, they start with Murray, Evansville second. They play SI Southern Illinois, and then they play Drake. So I mean, I don't want to get into the A10 MVC thing, but SLU is getting them all at home, and so I think that's an interesting thing we're going to touch on. You know, when we preview all these teams. Yeah, but that's not. I mean, for Valley schools, it's not going to be too big a deal going to St. Louis. That's oh yeah, that's good. That should be an easy game. But um, no, like you said, the schedule it's it's not. For 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 a guy in his first year, Coach Raglan, I mean, this is the kind of schedule you want. You want to challenge your guys, but you also don't want to be too challenging. You have games in there that are winnable, games that you should win so that you can get a little bit of confidence. Because the last thing you want to do is go into a regular season where you're just you're going after just tough team after tough team after tough team, and you're just losing every game, and you can lose the room. So um, I like the balance of the schedule. I don't. I like the the MTE they're in. I know they're playing no one of note, but that's a tournament they can win. So yes. I think that that also I think that also can go that can go far for this team. Um, as we look toward uh, toward closing out here on Evansville, um, Vance, I'm going to put you on the spot now, as I will on every single preview. Um, I've put together some over unders based on my projections of where I see the standings. Uh, the first one here is with Evansville. Uh, the over under is four and a half regular season Missouri Valley Conference wins. Uh, just a quick note: you do remember we do play twenty this year, so mm-hmm. um, we're looking at maybe a a five and fifteen or a four and sixteen record, uh, four and a half wins though for Evansville in the Valley. What are your thoughts on that? This one pains me because once again, I've loved my interactions with everyone from Evansville. I'm excited about the new era of, of Evansville Purple Ace basketball and ready to tune in. I'm going to take the under because I think four is the number. Yeah, no, I I actually don't. I don't, I, pro- I I think I probably agree with you on that one. I think that's probably the um, the right the right number. And closing it out, just kind of the other the other talking yep. point, quote unquote, for Evansville. What do you consider a successful season for Evansville? I'll give you mine real quick. I think for them, um, being competitive, playing hard, kind of like they talked about, and getting to that four or five wins 
in the Valley. Um, maybe if you can stretch it to six or seven, that would be above and beyond what you'd want. But to me, a successful season is to be a team that is known for playing hard, getting people in the building, be an entertaining form of basketball. Um, because the Evansville fans, I think that I think first and foremost, they want to be entertained and want to come to the Ford Center to see this team play. Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit differently, and it's going to be after the season. I think a what does a successful season look like? It is retention of their roster at the end of the year, because I think that will play into the new style, the new era, the new coaching staff. I'm I'm looking towards the end of this season and what happens in on the recruiting trail and roster turnover. That's how I'm going to measure success. I'm ecstatic for the David Raglan um, era. And so that's what I'm looking towards. No, I like that. That's a, that's a good answer. So anyway, yeah, this has been the Evansville Purple Aces. All right, Valley fans, let's get into the Drake Bulldogs, who I think we will be the preseason number one ranked team in the Missouri Valley Conference. But let's recap last season. Overall, Coach Darren DeVries to his fifth season. Uh, last year was 22-9 and nine on the season, and in the conference was 13-5. and five. They did participate in the CBI uh, tournament where they made it to the quarterfinals before bowing out after a one-point loss to UNC Wilmington. Looking at this season, let's talk through some big departures for um, Drake, but man, is that core good, Baker. Yeah, it really is. This is a, this is a really good team. Um, they do, they are losing guys. So I don't want to, I don't want to overshoot this. Um, the two guys that I think that are going to stand out are Tramel Murphy. We finally uh, run out eligibility for the Murphys uh, at Drake uh, tank. Hemphel also leaving. Um, and then Akinwali, Jonah Jackson, um, and then a couple of guys who, uh, who didn't really get to see the floor uh, leaving for Drake. So they are losing quite a few guys, but on the good, on the good end of things, they're returning the freshman year, second team, all MVC, all newcomer, all freshman Tucker DeVries, who um, this podcast, I think is probably going to come out before awards come out, but I expect him to be the preseason player of the year. Um, and then you're also returning Garrett Sturts, second team, all MVC, Roman Penn, third team, all MVC, uh, DJ Wilkins, all defensive team. I mean, this, those four alone right there um, are strong candidates for preseason first and second team already. Um, and then as you get down into this roster, uh, a guy like Darnell Brody, which I think to me is a key for this team this year. Um, Brody two years ago, had so many really good games and had so many flashes of brilliance, but last year a little bit more inconsistent for him. I think if he can get closer to that consistency of two years ago, um, it's going to make this team even more dangerous. Because if you look at the team, um, so if we're looking at some of the better teams in the league, you look at a team like Bradley, they got a guy like Rink Mast. I think Darnell Brody is going to be important if he can give you good minutes in that game matchup wise. Um, so just, just for me personally, I think that he's a very big, important player. Cause I know what the other four guys are going to do. I know what they're mm-hmm. going to, if they're going to perform. Um, but I really, I'm really curious about Brody. Um, Calhoun from Texas tech, the transfer. He's a guy that I know a lot of people are excited about in Des Moines. I think that he's, I don't have him in the starting lineup right away, but he's a guy who, if he can come in and really gel well with this team, could be one of the, he could be that depth piece that they really need, especially as they try to win the league. Um, uh, Isa Samake coming back after that ACL injury. 
Um, only a couple points a game two years ago, but I think you did see the difference, Vance, last year with him out of the lineup and him not being that kind of backup for Brody. It, it really it showed they didn't really have a lot of inside depth. Now you get him back, and I think you have a lot of depth with him there. Um, Eric Norweather is also a guy that I think I'm kind of curious about. Uh, coming from Truman State, where he almost scored 10 points a game, I think that he's an interesting player as well for this team, but uh, anything else that stands out that I'm missing here? Oh, I, I do want to mention Nate Ferguson also. I think he's another guy that um, this is a pretty big year for him as well. I think people are um, – I think a lot of Drake fans are hopeful that we really get to see that next step. We saw some some flashes from him last year, but um, I, I think that there's another level he can get to. And if he – and if, if some of these – others on this team is you know Shaq used to always say like the others are the ones that win championship if the others on Drake the people outside that top four really give good minutes and give good contributions man this team the the sky's the limit for this team really is I'm with you uh I don't even know if you said the name and and I apologize if you did but I don't even think Roman Penn came out of your mouth and so he did once okay I think we gotta talk about that just a little bit of I think that the health and the consistency is going to be the question mark there. Um, not to be a, a downer by any means, because I think Roman Penn is one of the best uh, players in the league. But that is, I mean, not just him specifically, but just it's Drake. And you can't not say injury um, when we, th- we talk about Drake and what their ceiling looks like um, in a Missouri Valley Conference season. Well, and, and and you're totally right about Roman Penn. Um, when we talked to when we interviewed, uh, I don't know if you were on the. I think I did that one on my own. But when I talked to Devries um, off air, when we had our own uh, interview for the show a couple months ago, he did mention that it sounded like his guys were going to be good to go for for opening night. Um, that they were trending that way. When I asked about Roman, Issa, and DJ Wilkins, we saw DJ at media day. He seemed like he was he was in good spirits, like he was going to be ready to rock and roll. So, yep. um, but you're right. I mean, I, th- I think it's only fair that you mention injuries because that has been kind of the thing that derailed this team over the past couple of years. I mean, even the tournament team that they had when they beat Wichita State, you think about they did that without Roman Penn. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that was a lot of. Um, Yesifu, who came up and kind of played a really big role for them before he headed off to Kansas. So I think you're right. I think injuries, uh, like the, to me, and we'll get into it when we talk when we finish out things with Drake. But I think injuries are the bear, are the biggest threat to Drake. Yep, I'm with you. Um, and then I mean, I think all eyes are going to be on Tucker DeVries. I mean, he is the offense le- um, weapon. He's so going to be the pre he's going to be the preseason you know player of the year. All of that. Um, but, you know, one thing I do want to know, because we, we did talk to Coach DeVries at Media Day uh, a couple weeks ago, and, you know, they know they're going to – I think they all know they're going to be picked number one. I think that was kind of evident just in our conversation. You don't say. But, um, you know, Coach DeVries was – I mean, he pointed out, he said, this is not – a paper first means absolutely nothing. We yeah. want to be first at the end of the season. And so I think it was a good perspective that – he kind of acknowledges, yep, we know the buzz is around Drake, but we got to keep our guys level-headed because, you know, you know what? A preseason first means nothing, honestly, in mid-October. It means everything in the beginning of March. And you know what I asked him? I think it was I asked him something around the lines of, uh, you know, does that change anything for your preparation? I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically said it changes nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, we're still – like our expectation is to be a good team. Our expectation is to win the conference. So it doesn't change how we handle things. So I think that's good perspective from him because I think that to me with Drake, if you look at like the last five years for them, it feels like unfinished business for this team. It feels like that this title has been just out of reach for them. 
as kind of, you know, I know they had the title in, uh, they finished first. I think it was seven. It was DeVries' first year at Drake, but like, it feels like it's just been out of reach for this team. And I, I think I, this might, I think that this might be the year that they, they kind of run away with it. I, I don't disagree with that take at all. I think it's, I'm going to take a little bit of a different spin on this Baker is they've been a national name at the beginning of the season for a couple seasons, right? Like they went on that terror mm-hmm. where they, they, I don't know, won however many in a row or I'm sorry, against the spread, you know? And so, yeah. you know, there's a lot of, you know, gambling websites right. that were just in love with Drake. Well, I think they started 20 and 0, right? Yeah. Or, you know, the two bid Valley year where it was Drake. And so it's very interesting that you kind of bring that up, that this could be a year where Drake controls their own narrative um, and could run out with it maybe. Um, But I don't want them to lose steam because I do think this is the team that is going to bring the national notoriety to the Missouri Valley Conference. And and I'm sorry, Valley fans out there, we have to protect that early on. Yeah. And so maybe let's get into non-conference here as we transition to what their non-conference looks like. Um, it's not murderer's row by any stretch here, um, but there are some there are some opportunities here. Um, I would say not at the beginning of the non-con, but towards the end of their non-con, it really does pick up. Yeah, it's uh, this is a good schedule. Um, I would say this is one of the best ones. I I, I don't think that, I think that's pretty fair. Um, you look at some of the teams that they have on the slate. Um, I, I like the Mississippi State game. They're going to play in Lincoln. They're going to SLU. They're going to play Richmond. So they got a nice helping of. Uh, uh, of the A10, there uh, they're actually closing their non-conference against St. Ambrose, who's it's my wife's alma mater. So uh, shout out to the Fighting Bees there. Um, but no, it's a it's a good balanced schedule. Their MTE is not great, not terrible. It's I to me, I look at this MTE and and it's actually got another Valley school in it with Belmont, but it looks like an MTE that you look at on paper that you should win if you're Drake. Yes. Like this is a three and O MTE to me. Yep. Um, and know. that was actually, and you know, what's interesting. I mean, go back to last year. <laughs> yeah, that's um, exactly where I was going. <laughs> go, no, go ahead. No, I was just say, uh, I forgot which ESPN event they were in, but we were all like, this is, this is Drake's moment and it didn't go their way. And so oh, that's three. where, and that's when I, that's why I say this year is Drake can control their narrative. And I think they're even better positioned to control their narrative early on in the season. And, Nothing but a paradise jam victory um, is, you know, is, is there. They have to do it. And I'll, for, I, for, I'll forgive them if they lose to Belmont in the final, though. That's the only reason um, <laughs> I would forgive them. And, and honestly, personally, I, I don't ever want to see a Missouri Valley team lose, but I just don't want to see a Missouri Valley, two Missouri Valley teams play each other in the non-conference. I just personally don't. I want so, to see it so bad because, uh, I, because I love the chaos of it. Um, you know, one thing I want to mention um, – and I don't know if you've uh, if you don't dove into their schedule for the Missouri Valley Conference schedule itself, because I think that you know with a team like Drake, um, a team that can realistically they're one of the few that can realistically I think win this league. Um, looking at their schedule, game thirteen through seventeen was where I had um, if there was going to be a um, a slip up for this team, Vance. Um, they have a home game against Northern Iowa, and then they have two two tough games on the road where they go to Valpo and they go to M- M- Murray State. Now, both games they should win, but mm-hmm. you've seen we've seen in the past a good Drake team go to Valpo and lose, and that was the year they were, you know, they started out twenty zero. I believe that their first Valley loss was at Valpo. 
Um, Murray State, we don't know what Murray State's really going to be. And anytime you got to go Murray, Kentucky, that's not going to be an easy game. And then you play, then you you come home and you have Southern Illinois waiting for you, who's going to be another one of those teams that's going to compete with you and who matches up with you decently. So, um, and then you have to go to Northern Iowa. So it's bookended by those two North, those two games against Northern Iowa. So to me, that's the stretch where Drake can't slip up because last year, if you look at their, if you look at them, you know, they didn't win the league. They finished third. Um, they had that stretch in the middle where they lost three in a row. And I think mm-hmm. they have to avoid that there. That's, that's really where the slip up is. I know that everybody's probably thinking, you know, I'm, I'm not mentioning anything about Bradley either here because um, to me, if things are working for Drake, that Bradley game at the end of the season doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? I'm, like, the, I think I think their slip up would be against a rival with you know, the, like all you, they should go, like going in those games. They should be five and zero. Oh. I mean, the Southern Illinois on the road game I think would be harder, but this is the home game. Like that's a five and zero oh stretch, and I feel like that's the time where, you know, maybe they slip up, fans. Yep. No, I think that's that's good analysis there of of that stretch, um, and I, I I agree with you on that. That I think everybody will be looking towards that one and. Um, if anything's going to change at the top of the conference standings, it'll be that stretch. All right. So we go to our couple storylines here to close things out with Drake. I'll start with the over under for Drake 15 and a half wins in the Missouri Valley conference season. So it's interesting. I mean, you said it earlier with Evansville, uh, just the 20 game. Um, I think you're going to have to win over 15 to be the champion. So I'll take over. I would agree with you. I think 16 wins gets it done this year. Um, although, I think I think that there's there's a chance that maybe they win by a couple games, but I think they will at least get to that 16 win mark. Um, in your opinion, Vance, you know what? I'm going to ask the the second question last. I'm going to ask this one next. Um, is Tucker DeVries the best player in the Valley right now? Like right now, or is going to get picked? Or I mean, is Tucker? DeVries I'm not asking just... about who's going to get picked. I'm not going to ask about. I want to know, in your opinion, right now, if you had, if somebody came up to you off the street and said, "Hey, you do a Valley podcast. Who's the best player in the Valley? Who would be? Would Tucker DeVries be that answer?" Yes. Okay. I agree with you on that as well. Um, and then finally, the this is kind of the overarching question for Drake: Is this year is it NCAA tournament or bust for the Drake Bulldogs? A healthy Drake. Bulldogs through the entire season, anything other than an NCAA tournament at large, or they win Arch Madness is a bust. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, looking at this team on paper, what you're bringing back, the quality of the coach, the quality of the guys on the team. um, If this team does not see their name pop up on the selection Sunday, um, I don't think you can look at this season as anything but a disappointment. Barring injury, right? And barring so no that, barring yeah, injury, barring, right? yeah. no. That's that's a good caveat because, and, and I hate to bring up injury because I mean, you have to with this, but you have to a Drake. You yeah. have to a Drake. Yeah. You have to a Drake. It's and it's the hard part to do. But um, outside of injury, I think we both agree. Like if we don't see this team on Selection Sunday, um, this has been a really disappointing way for this era of Drake to end. And last thing I'll, I'll close on because I think everyone can agree. If anyone thinks that Drake is not going to pick up, is not going to be the number one team preseason, like seriously, DM me, call us, tweet us, like please explain your rationale here. But the one thing you know I will add is that Drake, when you look at stats and you look at some of the national storylines, the lack of turnover um, is is a huge storyline here in this day and age of college basketball with the transfer portal and the additional COVID years. 
that is the number one thing going with Drake. It's a testament to Coach DeVries, and it's a testament of how he's built this program since he's taken over in his fifth season. So um, this is the fruits of that labor. That's an awesome and I point. Can't, yeah, and sure. I can't wait to see them in this season. You, it's It feels like a team that, as, as you look at some of these other Valley schools as we get to some of these previews, a lot of them are – kind of finding their way with transfer portal and trying to just build a build a roster with what they can. It feels like this team was it, the roster was built prior to the transfer portal window and they only added to it with a guy like Calhoun. Um I think that like you like we said, I mean actually there's really nothing else we can say about this. I think barring injury, this is the this is the team to beat and I don't and to me I I think it's the team that that should probably win the league by a game or two. Yep. I mean, Drake is the bannerman of the Missouri Valley Conference this season. No doubt. All right, Valley fans, let's get into the Valparaiso Beacons. In Coach Matt Lodick's seventh season at Valparaiso, he has a 96-95 and all-time record at Valparaiso. Last year in the 21-22 season, the Valparaiso Beacons went 13 and 17 in in uh, overall record, and in the conference record, they were six and 12. Baker, take us through who did they lose and who did they gain? Yeah, quite a few losses on this team. Uh, notably at the top, I think uh, Kavion Taylor, Sheldon Edwards, and Thomas Kithier, um, all leaving this team. Pretty big, uh, pretty big contributors for this team. But then you also look at like. Trevor Anderson, Aaron Gordon, Keandre Young um, really lost the depth of this team. And it was like, it's it's kind of like as we transition into this roster, you have guys like Kobe King and Ben Cricky, who obviously we all know as Valley fans how good they are. They're really talented players. Um, they can put up 20 points on you in a hurry. They can have big nights against you. But the thing I think that really hurts this team is the depth is very unknown. And I think when you look at it, you look at a guy like Preston Rudiger, who um, – you know, he had that big Loyola game, um, and he, he had he had moments last year, but he was very inconsistent. I mean, he was all freshman team, but there were a lot of inconsistencies for him. That's got to completely change this year because he's he's going to have to be guard-wise, he's going to have to be the guy kind of running the show, and he's going to kind of have to take over a lot more uh, weight on his shoulders this year. So I think he's going to have to have a big year for this team to be successful. Um a few interesting players. Nick Edwards is a guy that I know a lot of people are excited about. Uh, he can really, uh, really can fill it up. He's uh, coming over from Glenville State. Uh, he's over 17 points a game. Uh, he 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 fills up a stat sheet. So um, coming from Glenville State, different level obviously than the Missouri Valley, but uh, a guy who who's who's known for being able to score. Uh, I think that can only help you, especially when you've lost as much scoring depth as you did. Um, another guy, Jerome Palm, is a guy that's kind of an unknown. He's coming from a D2 Hillsboro. Uh, almost 10 points a game for him as well. He's a 6'10". He's a big guy, um, which is kind of a theme for this team Matt Lodick put together. Uh, a lot of big men on this team. Uh, so it's going to be interesting as they kind of put together the, the as he put together this team, how are they going to number one? How are they going to gel? And can those depth guys, can those secondary guys to Kobe King and Ben Cricky really raise their level of game to make them more competitive and be in the mix of the Missouri Valley Conference? Because I, we know what Kobe King and Ben Cricky are going to do, Vance. We know what they're going to give us every night. I think that the interesting and the, I guess, the question mark around Valpo is outside of those two. 
Yep. I'm with you on that. I mean, this is going to be the Kobe King and the Ben Cricky show, I think, for Valparaiso. Um, one thing, you mentioned it, and I just want to reiterate it, that let's talk about Kithier. Um, you know, retire from basketball, something you never want to see for a college athlete just um, in the prime of their you know, younger years <laughs> or, um, you know, age. So, you know, thoughts are with him just as, you know, always kind of nagging back issues, was kind of in and out for multiple seasons, you know, just – <laughs> not that we're shouting out players, but it's one of those that just like breaks your heart. Uh, no, you, you, know, it's, you have to. No, I think that's smart to, to, to especially because he had that, it was a weird kind of like a back injury. And I mean, it, it just felt like he could, it felt like last year he could just, it could never, it, he could never find that consistency and get a rhythm playing. It was always kind of nagging. So, you know, your thoughts, hopefully, you know, because he goes in the next chapter of his life, hopefully that's good. And because, yeah, like you said, you never want to see that. I mean, I, especially because i mean you and i do this podcast we like think of these guys i mean they're younger guys in the their early 20s so Mm -hmm. this isn't something that you want to continue going on in life exactly and we were joking off air and you know i do want to bring it up because it goes to show like the kind of things that stand out as missouri valley fans like i'm bummed because there's gonna be one less t-shirt um on the floor for valparaiso (laughs) and just the missouri valley kipier was that t-shirt guy he was all t-shirt team um, for the Missouri Valley, um, him and I will say Kobe King rocked t-shirt every once in a while. So, um, you know, not that I think he's listening, but just, I kid you, he was, a, he was a fun one to watch um, no doubt. t-shirt and all. So, yeah. Hey, uh, I do want to, I do want to mention real quick, um, an interesting guy, um, coming in as well, uh, Quentin Green. Uh, he's been, he was all GMAC for three years in a row, which is obviously a different level as well, but he could score the basketball as well. He's a six, seven forward for them. Um, he's also a name to be able to, uh, Valley fans, watch that name because um, he might be something that uh, um, he's going to also have to be good, um, as well as a guy like Connor Barrett as well, Junior. Um, those are th- those are those depth guys, Vance. That um, as we look at their non-conference schedule, as you as you point that out to us in a second, um, those are going to be the guys that are going to have to step up right away and have to you know help carry the load because if Valpo right now on paper is a pretty easy team to game plan for. Yes, I mean stop Cricky and stop Kobe King. Um, I, I don't want to get into it because uh, I, I kind of know some of the talking points that might be coming up here, but I do want to ask you, Baker, here. Um, when I look at the Valley, and I'll just go ahead and you know play my cards here, but I think Kobe King is one of those special players in the Valley that we've only see, seen glances or flashes of brilliance, and that if he puts together an entire season, he's a hard one to game plan against because he can control a game himself. You're 100 percent right. He's he's one of those guys that I think he gets overlooked because he's on Valpo, and I think yep. he's also, you know, I we've seen it last year. I mean, he had games where he would take he would control the game and he would have big numbers against good teams too, and he would have some of these big scoring outputs. And he's one of those guys that when he has it going, he's a really hard guy to stop. And he he it's kind of like a just a, a semi going downhill. He just he keeps rolling. So um, you're right. I think that for for Valpo to be really good, he's going to have to get, be that. That's going to have to be every night. Yes. And, and I think we'll that, see. That, I think because Cricky is Cricky's one of the more consistent players, I think, in the Valley. You kind of know what you get with him. And you know what you get with King to an extent. But like you you kind of brought up a good point. As good as he is, I think there's another level of consistency that he can get to. So, um, yep. no, I think that's an awesome point. So, yeah, let's get into that non-con we were talking about. Um, very uh, Mac-heavy, so uh, they're going Toledo, Western Michigan. Um, then they host Chicago State, who will see some other Valley foes along the way. Um, Incarnate Word, 
um, who is, fun fact, Baker, an FCS football team like uh, most Valley teams here um, are in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. And then they go to the Savannah Invitational um, with the likes of South Dakota State, Towson, and Mercer. Um, and then they'll play their Valley games. Uh, they host Trinity Christian. They go to Ole Miss. And then uh, they, they have Elon. Yeah, outside of Ole Miss, this is a really bad schedule. Um, and I don't think that I don't think I'm offending anybody by saying that. That being said, um, if you Vance, if you turn back the page to last year, they started off the season uh, one and four in the non-conference, lost games they should have won, uh, including a game against UIC and now Valley opponent. Looking at Toledo, Western Michigan, Chicago State, and Incarnate Word, I would hope that they could start a little bit better this year. And I think to me, that's a, I think just looking at their non-conference, it's a winnable schedule. Like this is a schedule that. I don't know. You could maybe win eight to 10 games. Yep. I mean, anything I'm, other than I'm no, sorry, in the first, in the first four, if they start the season, anything other than three and one, um, I think it could potentially, I'm not going to say set the tone because it's four games, but mm-hmm. it'll kind of tell you, uh, it'll, it'll give you some insight into the Valpo beacons. Yeah, no, I think, I, I think even going into that, that Belmont game that they'll have December 1st, like looking at their MTE that they're in, it's not a real strong MTE. Like if you're, if you're Valpo, um, things are working if we're five and two. Yep. Like you're 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 feeling good about five and two. Um, just looking though overall at their schedule, one thing I want to mention about their um, now that we have the valley schedule in front of us, they do have a really tough stretch with uh, games three through game six, um, which I uh, it's bookended by Bradley and Drake on the road, and in the middle you have Indiana State and Northern Iowa, two tough teams. I mean, that's a four-game stretch, fans. Drake, Indiana State, Northern Iowa, and Bradley, four games are all. Um, it doesn't get a whole lot harder than that. Yeah. That's that. I think that's going to be um, – that, and that's where and – and the hard part, I think, that comes with those games, those are the, game, the four games that you come out of non-conference. Like, right as non-conference ends, your Valley, seasons, your Valley season game three through six, you're playing four games that you could – I mean, you could go on four in those games. Yeah, um, and I would and say I think, most people expect it. And I think the expectation, maybe maybe you might be favored to win at home against Indiana State or at home against Northern Iowa, maybe. But, I mean, I think you're right. The expectation would be to go on four. So I think that's going to be kind of tell that that'll probably be mostly telling the tale of the Valley, the Valpo season, uh, at least for Valley games specifically, is how do they make it through that? What is their record after game six? Yep. No, I'm with you on that one. Um, heading into their over/under, as we kind of look at our, as we close things out, and we talk more with Paul Oren here in a second, as you guys will hear um, with uh, with Valpo basketball. But six and a half wins is the over/under that I have Valpo at this year, Vance. Uh, where do you have the uh, Beacons? This one's tough because now we're starting to get into like that whole twenty game season really starts to play with my head. I'm going to go under. Yeah, um, I think you're probably right. Um, I think this is might this might be the hardest over under to to do because I do think Matt Loddick's a good coach mm-hmm. and I think that um, he's had some tough luck. Obviously, you're bringing a team to a different level and things in the valley haven't gone so smooth. But um, he does have two really good players coming back and the roster he's put together around them. Um, if it gels, I mean, I think that seven, eight wins, eight, maybe even nine, honestly. If, if things are really working for Valpo. So I don't, I, as I say, the over under six and a half, I agree with you. I would say the under, um, but I also wouldn't be stunned if they're 
an eight win team. Right. Um, The, I guess though, kind of going to Matt Lodick and and listen, we've talked to Matt Lodick. Um, He's been good coming on the show and everything like that. But um, I think that the, that's the elephant in the room for Valpo. Um, He's got to be on the hottest seat. I think of any team in the Missouri Valley conference, at least for head coaching perspective. Um, How much pressure do you think there is on Matt Lodick going into the season fans? I mean, other than what's probably intrinsically put on him by himself. I mean, I don't think like if we're going to say hot seat or anything of that, I, I don't think so. I think that, the changing landscape of the Missouri Valley and sorry of college basketball, which Missouri Valley is, you know, obviously expanding and bringing in new teams. Like I, I still think Matt Lodick is the person for Valpo. Like I believe in a system. I believe in the guys that he consistently makes the most out of the roster he has. Once he builds some consistency in his roster and there's not this massive turnover and we're starting to see that, right? Like, I mean, it wasn't wholesale changes. I mean, his changes were, like they had three graduates or sorry, no, like what five graduates. And then his, one of his, you know, arguably top three players, you know, retired because of injury. And so, you know, I, I don't think it's, I, it's pressure because Matt, what is a winner and he wants to win. Right. And so I think that's the pressure more than anything. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for, for my perspective, if if there's a if there's a coach that probably the expectations haven't been met the most, it's probably Matt Lodick. And I think if you're looking for I don't think I, I don't I agree with you. I don't think we have a team that's or a coach that's really on a hot seat going in this season. But I think that if there was any coach that would have any administrative pressure, it probably would be Matt Lodick. Yeah. Um, especially with a lot of the turnover he's had on his rosters now. Like you said, this th- year not as much, but I, I do think that, you know, you had all this success when you were in the Horizon League. I mean, if you look at Valpo's record prior to coming to the Valley, it was pristine. I mean, they were winning. They were winning leagues. They were getting the NCAA tournament at our league, and it just hasn't hasn't happened yet. So, yep. um, I no, I'm sorry to cut you off here, but I think the question is, and not that this is a bad question, I think it's the right question um, for this podcast, but I think a different question to get to the same sentiment is, is there some buyer's remorse in the Valparaiso Athletic Administration office of coming to the Valley? Yeah, that's a great and that's a great question. I and I wouldn't know the answer to that. I would hope it's not because I would hope that you would want to play play at a higher com- competition. I would hope that you'd want to get better. Um, and and we've seen Valpo over the years. I mean, like you know, we talk about them having having rough rough stretch here in the five years they've been in the Valley. But I mean, they've made it to a tournament championship. They've you know, they've avoided playing games. They've, they've had some success. It's just um, looking for that consistency. I think from a fan perspective, I know there's a lot of, you know, a lot of Valley fans out there look at Valpo as kind of that team that um, kind of, when you say buyer's remorse from our perspective as a Valley fan, it's like, we look at Valpo and we think, you know, was this what we expected? We expected them to kind of come in and actually compete right away. And, and it hasn't quite worked out like that. Cause we look at a Loyola when they came in and after five or six years, they really ramped it up. So um, maybe the next half of their first 10 years are going to be different. Um, I hope so. I hope that, I hope that he does get things rolling. I hope that they increase their level of play, but I think there's, there's a lot of questions around Valpo and we can, we can, we can go on and on about them. But um, I mean, I think they're fair to ask Vance. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Um, I'm with you. All right, so my last uh, last talking point as we finish things off, and we'll get to Paul Orn here in a second. Uh, put you on the spot here. Best big man in the Valley. Uh, is it Ben Cricky or is it Rink Mast? I'm going Rink Mast, and it's 
truly based on one metric in that I think his three point shot is significantly better. Fair enough. And the stat and the stats you know, uh, demonstrate that. So it's truly because of you know just what he provides offensively. Um, sure. But yeah, both that's, great that's the only reason. Both, both great big men. Um, and I think there's a clear one two for the big men in the Missouri Valley, which we've had some great big men here in the past. So um, let's uh, let's get to our interview though with Paul Orn. All right, Valley fans, as always, one of our favorite recurring guests, we've got Paul Oren on the phone with us. Paul is from thevictorybell.com. Make sure you go out and subscribe to his newsletter and articles and just all things Valpo Athletics from Paul's lens. Um, always good reads. How are we doing today, Paul? I am thrilled as I'm not never been shy about. I am a diehard Green Bay Packer fan slash owner. And uh, speaking of owners, the owner of the Chicago Bears took the field last night, Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I struggle with cheering for this guy at, at times, um, most, mostly because when he does a, a podcast tour, he's not been on March of the Arch yet. While he's been on Joe Rogan and everybody else's show, he should be on yours. But uh, good win, good win for the, uh, for the Packers over the Bears. And so um, I would not have been able to show my face in – St. Louis with some of the Bears fans if uh, the Packers would have lost that one that would have been a tough a tough out for me yeah um yeah good good news for you um bad news for the umpteen probably uh Chicago Bears fans that listen to this in the mid Missouri Valley uh, threshold of Illinois let me say this I actually I so we're coming up media day this week in St. Louis and I'm gonna I, I plan on being there but I will tell you and um he might not even know it yet, and I don't know when when this will drop. But uh, uh, I, I I went into the Valpo basketball wing early this morning. I went to the administrative assistant and said, "Can you let me in Matt's office for a second, Matt Lodick? Matt and I have a playful banter back and forth uh, as it comes to our our fandoms. He is from Chicago, as you know, and he's a diehard Bears fan. Um, and I had a uh, I ordered a T-shirt from Cheesehead TV, which is a great. Packers backer, backer group and uh it was a, a shaped like the bears logo uh the 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 actual bear and it says I still own you like AR12 or something like that and I ordered a double x and um you know the dryer continually shrinks my clothes and uh and so um I just draped it over Matt's office chair and so I haven't heard from him yet if my phone starts buzzing in the middle of this it's uh it's him with a nice greeting for me, but I'm uh, sure he loves that. Yeah. Chances are, uh, chances are if there's a frostiness uh, between us at media day, it's, it's going to be wholly related <laughs> to the fact that Aaron Rodgers still owns the Chicago bears. Well, if he does do that, just make sure it goes straight to speakerphone and answer it. And we'll just yeah, yeah, stay yeah, yeah. live. You know, that'll be good content for Absolutely. everybody. Um, all involved. That's right. Well, hey, Paul, you alluded to it. Uh, we do have media of a day coming up and uh, this will drop after media day. So we'll have a bunch of, um, insights there but you know let's dive into Valpo basketball a little bit of a uh, different season from them not an entirely um not there's there is a good core coming back to the Valparaiso Beacons which I think is um you know in, in prior years have not always been the case so I think there's got to be some excitement in Valparaiso just with um Kobe King and Ben Cricky coming back uh, something to build around just kind of what are some initial thoughts going into the basketball season here Paul 
Well, I think that, that you start with those two guys. Uh, ben Cricky is kind of a throwback college basketball player, right? Like here he is in his fourth year at a program. I mean, how many times has that happened? I was going through the list of the players that are going to be at media day from the Valley. And I don't know how many of these guys are true, like four year senior at the same school, haven't transferred anything like that. He's kind of a throwback, right? Um, kind of has had the career that you expected a college basketball player from the nineties, early two thousands to have of like, you know, kind of made some contributions his freshman year, sophomore year, moved his way into the starting lineup and was pretty good last year, kind of took the game up another level, averaged 14 points, four and a half rebounds, you know, shot at, at 54% from the floor. And now you expect him to take another step up. And that's just kind of what you always thought of college basketball players going back in the day. And, uh, and, and again, he'll, he has this year, and then if he chooses, he would have an additional year of eligibility because of COVID. It'll be fascinating to see what happens there. And then Kobe King is back. And I think the Valley got a taste of, and, and Valpo got a taste of what he could be at stretches last year. I think there were times when you thought, man, for as talented as he is, don't you want him to be more aggressive on the floor? Don't you want him to use that talent all the time? And I think you started to see that as the season unfolded. Um, I, you know, I imagine Cricky is the known commodity. And I think if there's any like preseason hype, Cricky is getting it right now. But Kobe King is, is for my money, probably the guy that's going to, going to be the dominant, you know, if, 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 if the game's coming down to the last second, one of those two guys is probably going to take the shot. And, um, and King, I think having a full off season, having a full year, it's big. This is the first time in five or no, in six or seven years that Valpo is, uh, returned all their top two leading scores and the year that they did that they ended up going to the nit championship game i'm not saying that's going to happen this year but they set the school record for wins like when you have continuity and consistency among your top players everyone else falls in line and knows what's expected of the program when you do this year in year out rebuild of bringing in a new kind of hired gun each year to be the leader of the group. I think it's tougher. And, uh, and so Valpo, at least if anything, will have some consistency in a way that they haven't had in a long, long time. Yeah. I think it's easy for you guys. It'll be easier for, for Valpo to be able to have more success early just because of having, you know, King and Cricky at the top of the team to start the year. But I did want to ask you about some of those hired guns. Uh, Nick Edwards, Jerome Palm, you and I were talking kind of, we text a little bit back and forth, kind of trying to figure out where your starting five is going to be another guy. Um, Quentin Green is another guy that I wanted to look, I wanted to ask you about. What are your thoughts around, around those three specifically? And are, what, what are the expectations around the program? Are these guys that, you know, are, are expected to be, you know, big time contributors right away? Where they're yeah, you know, influencing I, I think, things right away. If, and if things are working at Valpo, uh, you know, they have to have a pretty decent sized role. Yeah, I think Nick Edwards is going to be fantastic. I think he's got uh, a really good ability to facilitate. He was leading the, the country in assists per game when he was at Glenville State last year. Uh, yeah. Then he broke his foot um, and, and was able to come back, I think. And, and still, it was tough. Um, he's bounced around a little bit. Um, he is uh, His cousin, actually, is Champ Bailey. A uh, little known fact, oh, wow. his cousin is Champ Bailey. Um, but he is a, uh, he's a, an excellent player. Um, I think, uh, you know, him and then, and then Preston reading the the guy who was a walk on last year has earned a scholarship. I think those two guys 
kind of running the show along with Darius Diavario. I think Valpo's got a lot of depth at, at the point guard position. You might see Preston move over to the two a little bit. Um, but uh, I, I think Edwards is going to be is, is as good as advertised. And I've watched a couple of open gyms over the summer. And when it was when it was uh, what's the term I will use? Well, I'm not going to. It's a family friendly show. So when uh, when the game was on the line, Nick Edwards delivered. Uh, we'll put it that way. Right. Uh, the Fab Five used to have a term for this that I won't <laughs> use. But um when it was uh, gut check time, that's what I'll say. Gut check. There time. you go. Um, Nick Edwards uh, uh, was really good, and so I, I think he'll be. I think he'll be excellent. Um, and then Quentin Green is another guy that you mentioned, transfer from Cedarville, yep. fifth year guy, maybe similar to a Kevion Taylor a little bit last year in terms of here's a guy who played really well at the D two level, and is going to earn a shot to to see what he can do at the Division one level, and I. I think he'll be really good. I don't know that he'll be heavy on Taylor. I think they're got different games, but I think here's a mature guy who can slide in both of these guys, mature guys that can slide in and, and contribute right away. And then you mentioned Jerome Palm, uh, tall guy, every bit of six foot 10. Um, he's, he comes in with a couple of years of eligibility. He was at a community college in Hillsborough. Valpo's hit that place before for some guys. Um, He's from the Netherlands. One of the great things that Jerome does is it'll allow Cricky to be a four because Jerome can play the five. Um, one of the nicest guys I've met, if only usurped by another guy from the Netherlands that's joined the team late in August, uh, Ibra Bayou. Um, here's a guy who was probably got power five talent, but he had some healthy issues. I wrote about this at the victorybelt.com. Um, uh, had a heart ailment, had some broken ankles, um, kind of a, kind of a, as good of a late August addition to a roster that you can have. So I know that we're looking at Edwards and green and Palm, but yeah. either by you, if he hits, he could be fantastic. And, uh, it's, it's kind of a, a low risk, high reward, uh, addition in August of either by you. And again, yeah. I've got people who've told me that if he didn't have the heart thing, he'd have been a power five guy, but you know, a lot of times with power fives, you don't have to take any risk when you bring in guys. Um, and so Valpo, a little bit of a risk, but uh, I think he's going to be really good. No. And I think at this level as where the Valley is as a mid-major, I think we kind of have to take those risks sometimes. Um, yeah. But you know, you mentioned about Paul and Paul, and I'm really, I'm glad you said that. Cause I think that, you know, he, he has an unbelievable opportunity for himself because he's playing with someone like Cricky. So he's not going to, he's not going to be the option a, but as option B, he's going to get a, lot, get a lot of really good looks. You know, you mentioned Preston Rudiger there, and I want to ask you, I know a lot of Valley fans, because you hear you hear things out there, you know, obviously last year's freshman class wasn't one of the strongest in Valley history, but he was uh, he was definitely recognized as someone who's on the all-freshman team. Um, but there's, I think there's still a bit more of his game that we're waiting to see unlocked with him. What are your, what are the expectations for him coming into year two? Because I, I'm not trying to be too critical, but there were times where he, he was kind of he, he'd have good games and bad games. It was obviously a freshman's going to have good and bad yeah. nights. But what are the expectations with him? Because for me, I think consistency is number one, the thing yeah, that he's so, going to have to start showing. You know, I, I'll point to the game at Loyola that really yes. was like the this kid's on the map. That was his uh, breakout for sure. It was his breakout. And, you know, he had a great drive to the basket where he scored late in the game and it was excellent. And, 
You know, he let his teammates know about it, you know, and he's kind of that emotional, fiery leader. And then he got teed up for it. I thought it was the worst technical that I've seen. Um, not the worst foul I've ever seen at that place, but the worst technical I've ever seen. And, um, and you know, then late in the game, you know, we're, 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 we're writing songs about how great Preston is in that game. And it's going to be the breakout. And then late in the game, I think Valpo turns it over three straight possessions and Braden Norris decides that he's Superman. And a lot of those Superman shots were hit, you know, near Preston. So again, to me, I think, I think the world of the kid, um, I've really enjoyed him so far. I think he's had an amazing story already and the prelude has been written and maybe chapter one, and there's a whole lot more of the book to come. I, but I agree with you, John, you know, I think, I think there's a situation here where it's like, all right, now you've earned that scholarship. Now, are we going to continue to call him a former walk-on or is he going to be just a basketball player? And that's the thing with like John Kaiser, um, a guy you remember a couple of years ago when Valpo made that run in the Valley no tournament. Doubt. He was for the first couple of years, he was he was a walk on. Then he was the former walk on. And then by his senior year, he was just John Kaiser. And so can Preston be just Preston and not, you know, this cute story like we would say yeah. with John Kaiser all the time. How many good games does he have to have before we keep calling him the former walk on? And so if there's a goal and not a goal, I don't set goals. But if there is a if there's a story that I want to tell later on this year, it's a story of how Preston is we don't think about the walk-on thing anymore. Well, that would be something we can all look forward to at the victory bell. Uh, I do want to ask you uh, one last thing uh, specifically before I kick back over to Vance, one thing specifically about this Valpo team. And I think it's kind of the elephant in the room and uh, it's not the most fun thing to talk about, but um, last five years is you've been in in the Missouri Valley have not necessarily been um, probably what the Valpo fans have expected. Um, Six wins, seven, nine, seven, and six for, for your win totals each year in the Valley. Uh, what would, would you, would, I'm trying to think of the best way to ask this is where's the fan base's expectations going in this season? Is there, is there any pressure going on with this team to, to perform at a higher level? Because um, I mean, it's, it's the elephant in the room for Valpo this yeah, year. Yeah, no, you know, I, you know, I they, since they've been in the Valley, they haven't quite lived up to what they were because, you know, coming off the, the years in the horizon league where they had, you know, year after year of just, quality getting to tournaments and you know they had that those really good teams right before they came to the valley so um, yeah I think it's a fair question <laughs> I know there's there's not a good question in that but kind of no, no, through, I, like what are the what are kind of the overarching thoughts around Valpo basketball right yeah now? I think it's a I think it's a plenty fair assessment and a definitely a fair question and and I will tell you this um I, I'm trying to think of the best way to answer it <laughs> and I'll answer it this way I launched a subscription-based website in the final month of a bad basketball season. And as I sit here today, is the site as successful as I thought it would be? Well, there's a lot of volleyball people who are subscribed. There's a lot of football people who have subscribed, a lot of women's soccer people who have subscribed, and a lot of diehard Valpo fans who would just be there for anything. But like, is there excitement enough at the, about the Valpo basketball program right now that a lot of people are forking over $5 a month or $49.99 a year? Probably not as much as I wanted. So, um, so again, I don't know if that's a, so you ask where the excitement level is or what the thoughts are or whatever. I think Valpo fans feel like they've been burned year in and year out 
for the last couple of years with getting their expectations up, right? Yeah. Whether it was finally making that run to the championship game and then the next year, you know, bringing back some guys and it not working out, you know, um, a couple different mass exoduses of players. Now, they only lost three guys to transfer this past year. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, Sheldon Edwards, okay, yeah, guy wanted to go somewhere else. He was on the all-improved team. Like, I don't know what he wasn't getting at Valpo that he thinks he's going to get somewhere else. Like, he kept improving. That's what you do in college basketball. And maybe he wants to go somewhere else. Now, I see his videos of him in this beautiful facility at Loyola, practice facility. Okay, good. Then I'd I'd go hang out there too. Um, You know, Trey Woodyard just, it didn't work out for him, you know, and so now he's on New Hampshire. And, and, uh, and so, and then Keandre Young is, you know, I guy was Mr. Basketball in Oklahoma and he played a little bit and then he got hurt and, you know, now he then, then he's going to transfer and he thinks he's going to go power five to this big program and he's at Triton. Okay. Um, now he's got offers. He's going to go somewhere big after this year. But um, so, but, but again, not only that, last year, Michigan State transfer, half of Wisconsin's team, all of that didn't translate. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now I, I think, I think fans are, 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 they don't want to get kind of like Bears fans, right? Like if, if you don't get your expectations up, your heart won't get broke. And then you win that first game and then you go down on the Packers D and you drive on them right away. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this is it. This is finally what we've been waiting for. And then the next three quarters are revert back to that. Um, Look, I think there is pressure, right? I think there is, you know, like this isn't what the Valley signed up for and it's not what Valpo signed up for. And then, you know, and, but I still think that, that look, if this thing gets rolling and I'll tell you, Maybe I'll get accused of carrying water for this place because I get accused of that every now and again. Through the first month of this academic or athletic academic year, I have seen more hype for these other sports that I've talked about than I've seen in decades at this place. Like the football team had a huge, huge crowd. It's homecoming week. So it's a huge, I imagine a huge crowd again. The volleyball team is 12 and 0. They're off to the best start in school history. They're the top record in the country right now. The soccer team picked to win the Valley, just beat Northern Iowa on the road. And like people are coming out to these games and the arc is decrepit as old as that place is. When it's packed, it's amazing. I don't know that people in the Valley have seen it packed yet. And that's the thing. It's like, I don't know that anyone in the Valley has seen the Valpo fan base when it's, when it's, when it's hype. Now we're in a post COVID downswing world, right? So maybe, maybe this is what it needs to get people to get excited and come back out there to games. And, and they got some fun guys on this team that are worth supporting. And so, um, but again, I think you're right. I think, I think Valpo fans are, are a little tired of, of potential and they want results and, I think that makes sense. And I think I mean, we could point to any number of professional sports teams who will tell you that, like the San Diego Padres are another one who've had a ton of potential forever. And what has that gotten them? Nothing. Same, same color pattern as Valpo too. I think that's sure. interesting too, because as you even start layering in expansion, you know, if I'm Valpo and I see a UIC come in or Murray and Belmont, similar size. Um, and I would say Valpo has been, 
struggled to find their identity in the Valley just due to all everything we've, we've talked about. Just, um, yes, they made a championship game, but um, kind of ho-hum the five years after that. Um, I, I'm just, I hope it's a renaissance year for just in-person athletics. I think we're going to see that. I hope that uh, the trends you were just mentioning around other sports having uh, increased attendance, we'll, we'll see that. But I'm, I'm just curious how much of the, the Valley identity, and now you have three new teams coming in trying to build their identity, will kind of intersect with each other. Yeah, I, again, you know, I, these are programs that Valpo's got plenty of familiarity with, Belmont, UIC, and Murray State. I think these teams fit in the Valley. I think they fit Valpo. I think Valpo fits in the Valley um, to a degree. But then, you know, I was at Illinois State for a football game two weeks ago, Valpo at Illinois State, and I'm walking around that place. And, like, those facilities there are amazing compared to, like, they, they've, they've got – so many of these schools have what you deem an athletic complex. And I don't know that there's, a, there's like, a building at Valpo. Look, I, I'll just – I'll say this. I, I think the 10 home games in the Valley are going to be – they're going to pay for itself, right? Like those games are going to be amazing. One of the struggles that I've had, and, and this is where I get in trouble with Valpo fans, and I, I hope I don't insult them when I say this because it, 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 I'm blessed to be able to have this fancy media credential right back here that gets me into games for free. But um, whenever the schedule comes out, I always kind of get freaked out when I hear fans are like complaining about the quality of opponent on the schedule. Like, do you care about the opponent that you're playing or do you care about your team? Because like, I'm going to go, like I would go see the Packers play the jets and not, and like, I'm going to see the Packers. I'm not, I don't care who they're playing. Now if they're playing the bears, great. If they're playing the Rams, awesome. But if they're playing the jets, okay. If they're playing the Texans, I'm still going to go and be there. And this is the thing that Valpo has got to do. They got to get those fans back. They got to get the, they got to get fans back who are excited to go see Valpo play, not excited to go see Valpo's opponent play. And that's the elephant in the room. How do you get the fan base excited about your team as opposed to, I'm not going to waste my money on going to see them play Elon. You know, I'd rather see them play somebody else. It, it, I, so I, I get what you're saying. And I think from a fan perspective, I'm, I'm, I kind of agree with you and I kind of disagree with you because I think there's a, I think there's a balance there because I think even yeah, yeah. you want your team to be good enough to be able to bring in a really quality opponent to your own gym and beat them. Like you want to be able to see your team play against the really good teams too. So I think it's a balance of, because like as an Illinois state fan, you know, I, do I love Illinois state basketball? Do I still go opening night when they play UNC Wilmington? Sure. Of course I do. But you know, it, there is also something to it that, you know, you want to see your team against some of the better opponents. You want to have a little bit more buzz, a little bit more excitement because, you know, when you, when Illinois state would bring in like say an old miss or something like that, Texas A&M, they would bring those guys to Redbird arena and there'd be a little bit more buzz and it wouldn't just be the hardcores who care about the team. It, it, it adds more excitement yeah. to the program. So I think there's kind of a balance there too. And so when I, and when you, you were talking about the schedule for, for Valpo, I mean, not a lot of real sexy opponents coming into the arc. In the no, it's a bad schedule. It's, it's a bad schedule. <laughs> you said it yourself. There you go. So I, 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 not to push back too much, but I think there's, there is a balance there. Oh yeah. No, and, and really and, 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 because, and, and wins like wins, like, you know, if Illinois state, when they beat you know, Texas A&M at home, that's, that's how you get people to care more about the program too. 
I and yeah, I know I agree with you. And what I will say though is that um, these ten games, the ten conference games, I you know Valpo's still relatively new to the valley, and so it's still relatively. Uh, you used to be able to in other leagues that they were in Horizon League and Midcom. No disrespect to those leagues, but like you could point to a couple of free wins, and you could point to this is probably going to be uh, year in year out. It wasn't the same team; it was different teams, but you could point to that. There are no free wins in the Valley. Every one of those games would be one of the best non-conference games that Valpo would have in those years. Um, and so, yeah, I, I know we only got a little bit of time left, but uh, I, 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 I think that's a, Baker. I think it's a great overarching question of like, what, what, where are the fans at right now? And, and I think they want to see it on the court. They want to see progress, not potential, not, not the, you know, we really like what we're building. I think it's, uh, and again, I've, I've bought into that. As well, a, and, and the one thing, Paul, preview guy. Paul, one thing about it is Valpo is still a household name because of yeah. 1998. Yeah. So what, what my thought for me as a, as a Valley fan in general, I want that to matter in the, for the Missouri Valley. You know I want it I mean? to matter for the victorybell.com is what I want it to matter for. <laughs> there you go, Paul. Yeah. Hey, last, last question here, Paul, you know, we mentioned we're going to media day this week and then, um, you know, the season will be here when November rolls around as you think of the Valley as a whole, what's, what kind of gets you excited about this season upcoming? Yeah. I think the mixture of old and new, I, again, Drake is still Drake. They still got, I don't know how many of those guys are back. I think DJ Wilkins is back. Roman Penn's back. I don't know who else is still on that roster. Um, I, so I know Northern Iowa still got Austin Fife and they've got Bowen Bourne. God, I hope they don't refer to him as a freshman again. Um, oh you know, they, uh, they got, uh, and then Southern Illinois has got Damask and got what Jones, right. There's a lot of talent there. Um, so I think the, the old excites me and then the new excites me, you know, not only Murray state has got a whole new roster, right. But they're in Belmont's in, um, I really like the coach at UIC, Luke Yaklich. He's a really good dude, and I think he's going to build something there, especially now that they're in the Valley. I think that this can this can be nice. So the new has got me excited. Um, you know, what's Indiana State going to look like in year two? What's Evansville going to look like with Raglan there? I really like him, former Valpo assistant. He was an assistant at, I think, all 352 other Division One programs <laughs> in his career, but uh, excited to see him at Evansville. Um I just think there's some excitement, you know, and, and again, as we talked about maybe live in-person events, I think what has me the most excited is what makes the Valley great is the fan enthusiasm, right? And, and maybe it hasn't been there at Valpo for a couple of years and maybe it's coming back, but it's been at other places that I've seen and nothing gets me more hyped than that coach of the year luncheon when Mitch Holtis is standing up there at the microphone telling everybody how great the season was. And then they play a montage video and you see all the fans and it's been missing the last couple of years because of, because of COVID. And if, if, I mean, the Valley truly runs deep when it comes to fan support. Uh, and now I'm definitely sounding like a salesperson, <laughs> but it, to me, I'm, I'm hyped. I'm excited for all of it. I, I like the old, I like the new, I want to see where Valpo fits in there. I think this is going to be an interesting year. I don't know if they're going to be good. I don't know if they're going to be bad. I think they're going to be interesting. I also feel like I've said that for a lot of time recently. Um, so here we are back at the drawing board. 
And we can't wait for that to happen. Hey, Paul, tell our listeners how they can follow the Valparaiso Beacons this season at the thevictorybell.com. Yeah, so thevictorybell.com is uh, is a website. Again, it's $5 a month, $49.99 for the whole year. Um, love telling fun stories. I used to write 400-word stories for the last – uh, newspaper I worked for. Now I'm writing thousand word stories, but good, good content. Um, you have some good basketball stuff coming up. And um, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll throw this here. It's I'm just trying to, to cross the T's and dot the I's, but um, you might have some company in the podcast game in a little bit. It's coming back, baby. We got the podcast. Uh, uh, it's not going to be called Union Street Hoops, but I've already, uh, already got the first episode uh, ready to go. I just got to release it. And uh, there's a little bit of uh stuff I got to do with that, but, um, uh, two pretty solid guests on the first episode. So, uh, we got some audio coming back for, uh, for people. We're excited. Awesome. The more, uh, Valley content we can dig into the better for all the fans out there. Once again, Paul Oren from the victorybell.com go out and subscribe to his content as always. Thanks, Paul. My pleasure. Thanks guys. All right, Valley fans, this is an episode five of the Martial Arts Podcast in this 2022-2023 Missouri Valley Conference season, the first preview episode where we covered three teams. We covered Evansville Purple Aces, Drake Bulldogs, and the Valparaiso Beacons. You heard a great interview with our friend of the show, Paul Oren of thevictorybell.com. Baker, where can people interact with us? Yeah, you guys can find us on Twitter at MarchArchPod, at MarchArchBaker. MarchArchPodcast.com is our website. Um, we're going we're gonna to try to put some cool stuff up there. We're also going to start doing some uh, uh, spaces on Twitter this season. So be on the lookout for that as well. We kind of tested one out after Media Day. Um, so the 20 or 23 or 4 odd people that actually were on there, we didn't promote it. We just kind of started it. So any of you guys actually heard some of it, um, good on you. We're going to try to do that after some big games here as the Valley um, gets rolling, um, kind of do like a post game show where you guys can call in and kind of interact with us as well. Um, up coming up next on the ep- next episode, uh, we're going to be talking about three more teams, Illinois state, the Belmont Bruins, and we're going to be talking about Northern Iowa Panthers. And we will be joined by head coach of Northern Iowa, Ben Jacobson on the next episode as well. So, um, should be a fun time as always. And with that, I'll say go Valley. Start talking about the Valley. Why not?